Hello and welcome back or welcome to the Riley Brakefield Show. I am your host, Riley Brakefield. This is a podcast where we talk about sports, politics, how to catch a pedophile, um, pretty much whatever's on my mind. We rank things, we you know, we talk shit, we have a good time. You name it, I'll probably talk about it. But today's show is just going to be strictly NFL free agency, strictly college basketball talk. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok on all those social medias. Give me a follow if you haven't already. Um, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, you know, I can use all the fans, use all the support I got, uh, but let's get into today's show. Like I said, we're just got the NFL free agency talk for the most part, um, and college basketball talk, you know, there's a little bit of news in the world, but to me, this is really all I wanted the show to be today. Um, I do have my top five. I got one love, one hate as well. Um, we'll hit those obviously in between here, but let's just go straight in to talking about NFL free agency and, you know, trades and all that jazz. We'll start it off with the with the Bears trading the first pick to the Panthers, uh, they got to be some holy at the ninth pick, you know, getting DJ Moore. That's that's probably the biggest key takeaway from this trade is they really got three first round picks. When you think about it, they got the ninth pick this year, first round pick next year, a couple other picks, I believe. But then getting a guy like DJ Moore on to, you know, bolster up their wide receiver. Of course, they don't have to go draft and they don't have to go pay one. Already got one, you know, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney. I think this is still on the roster. It's not a bad trio. It's not a great trio, in my opinion, either. But it does it does have the potential to have a lot of um, production output. And, and then for the Panthers, I like the Panthers trade for the first pick. Um, there's talks that they're even going to trade down if they find one or two quarterbacks that they or they find two quarterbacks they really like, which sounds like um, the owner David Tepper wants Bryce Young and Frank Reich wants C.J. Stroud. In my personal opinion, you should always go with what the coach wants um, because obviously it's the coach's scheme. It's not the owner's scheme. If you don't. If the owner wants a certain quarterback and the head coach wants a different one, they're always going to clash. And at some point, Frank Reich is just going to be out of the job. So it's like you either should just listen to your head coach or you should just go in a different direction and then just fire him already because it's obviously not going to work out. If he's not, if that's not the guy he wants, he's not going to play to his strength. He might even sabotage it to make him not look good. Who knows? That's just how I see that going for the Panthers. But I, I would love it if they were to trade the first pick and then the next team that gets it trades the first pick and then the next team that gets it trades the first pick. Just everybody, everybody trades the first pick until like the fucking Patriots or some random team, the last team, like all 32 teams should have the first pick. I think that would be absolutely wild, absolute Satan's man. But Bears, you know, they've also made a couple other good moves as well. They have uh, signed Tremaine Edmonds from the Bills and TJ Edwards from the Eagles. Both those guys put up a ton of production Last year, were very key on um, the past couple of years for their team. So definite big gets for the Bears. I think they're, you know, bolster up their offense. And, you know, a lot of people compared it to what they, you know, trading Rokon Smith, they probably would have paid $22 million to him. You know, they're getting that same type of value for TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, and then the third round pick that they traded um, traded for him as well. So I, I, all around, the Bears are already off to a good start. I think they should still go get Lamar because that would just be ultimate dreams, ultimate scenes. But they're they're not doing too bad, so I, I, I like I like what the Bears are doing. Panthers they also made a deal for um, Von Bell um, from the Bengals. The Bengals are losing their whole secondary. Um, Jesse Bates is going to the Falcons as well. You know they did draft some guys to hopefully replace those guys last year, but still two big two big losses for the Bengals. I would say you know those guys have been very key components of their teams the past couple of years, so it, it does worry me in that aspect, but. Dax Hill and Cam Taylor-Britt aren't bad. They did show some production this year, so hopefully they can step right in and replace that. Falcons also went out and got Taylor Heineke. 
Um, could be the starting quarterback, could be the backup. Don't really know what that move is about. You know, if the Falcons are going to go draft a quarterback or if they're going to ride with Heineke or Desmond Ritter. Either way, I, I, I like the pickup. I think he's he's a guy that can come in and win games. I mean, he did for, he's done it for the Commanders the past couple of years. So all around, he he deserves every shot that he gets, and he he can definitely help change, you know, win a couple games if you need to if your starter's out. So I think for the Falcons, you know, even if they want to keep bringing Desmond Ritter wrong or draft a different guy this next year, I, I do think that it's the right move for them, and it's a smart move. <clears throat> Jalen Ramsey, sounds like the Rams might be um, working on a little bit of a rebuild, clearing out some cast base here. Jalen Ramsey gets traded to the Dolphins. He's going to be opposite of uh, Byron Jones right now, I believe, right? That's, or, or is it Xavier Howard? Xavier Howard, actually. So Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard. I'm going to be the corners there in Miami. Um, I, I like the trade for the Rams. I think the Rams kind of are in a little bit of a limbo right now. They really sold out to win a championship. And, you know, there's a ton of money that they're paying to a ton of guys that they kind of need to clear some things out. For Jalen, though, I mean, I feel bad for the poor guy. He's going to be stuck in Miami, not doing shit in the playoffs because their quarterback's still to a tug of Iloa. I mean, they should just go out and get Lamar Jackson still at this point. But who knows? I, it'll be exciting to see you know, another bolst- another good piece for the Dolphins' defense. I mean, they've got a ton of talent already on that side of the ball. You know, they brought in – they got Roquan Smith as what? I don't know. Who did they get? They got Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb, you know, as well. Emmanuel Ogba, they have a decent pass rush already. Secondary is getting bolstered up with now the addition of Ramsey. So their defense is definitely in prime position. You know, they're one of those teams that uh, you just have a guy off. They have tons of guys on the team. So – Definitely uh definitely smart move for Miami. We'll see if it pays off though. I just don't think it will with two as your quarterback. That's just point blank period. End of story. Javon Hargrave is leaving the Eagles. Uh gets a pretty good deal to go to the 49ers, bolster up their pass rush. He's gonna be teamed up with Arif Armstead as well as Nick Bosa. Geez, I couldn't forget I forgot which one it was. You know, that adds some depth to their defensive line. They already have they've already, they've had a pretty good pass rush for quite a few years now. Pretty much ever since Bosa got there, it really helped bolster them up. So adding the addition of Javon Hargrave is big for them. You know, for the Eagles losing him, they, they've already lost a ton of guys in free agency. I mean, I could keep going through. TJ Edwards, they cut Darius Slay. They're losing a lot of defensive starters. But I did just see just now on the TV here that they uh, re-signed Fletcher Cox. So Eagles, you know, they're in a tough spot. They really sold out to hopefully win a championship this year. And now they're going to have to start paying guys. And they're, they're losing some of that money that they already had. So... Interesting for them, but on the bright side, Jason Kelsey is coming back. He's not retiring, so at least they have him on the offensive line to lead the charge and having you know Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox back, two veteran guys on the defensive line. You know that's really what it comes down to. You have to have a solid offensive line, solid defensive line to to win football games, and they they they're they're sticking to that. And I really like that the they're potentially getting next year. I mean, the NFC is weak, and I don't I don't think I think the Eagles are in a good position to possibly go back to the Super Bowl next year, but. You know, losing a lot of guys are going to have to hopefully pick some up free agency, have some guys develop, you know, or get some key draft picks. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, they definitely they drafted Jordan Davis last year, drafted Nicole Dean, guys that did produce a little bit this year that should hopefully be able to step up and make things work for them. <clears throat> then for the Raiders, man, the Raiders are making absolutely no sense to me. Sounds like Josh McDaniels has some beef with Darren Waller. Um, Darren Waller, I believe, told him, you know, keep the weddings a little bit under wraps. You know, don't talk about it too much. Josh McDaniels goes and talks about it, upsets Waller, it sounds like. And then ultimately Waller gets traded to the Giants. For the Giants, I like it. I think it's a good, I think it's a smart move. But at the same time, I don't think they have a whole lot of wide receiver depth. 
So I think, you know, Darren Wall could be getting double teamed or sitting, you know, they're going to be covering him up a lot more. So in his situation, I don't like him getting traded to the Giants. I don't think his production can be as good. I think he's going to find a lot more double teams and the coverage is going to be a lot tighter on him. He's going to be the main focus of the Giants offense in the passing game, in my opinion. And if Daniel Jones can even get in the ball, they're kind of a more of a run first team to me, in my opinion. So I don't, I don't like that for Darren Waller. I think that in that aspect, it sucks. I think the Giants is a smart move, you know, getting some talent, but I just don't think it's going to pay off. And for the Raiders, I just don't like the move either. They added Jacoby Myers as well. Solid wide receiver, you know, add more depth, but at the same time, <clears throat> most of the attention was always going to be on Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. And that's how you got guys like Hunter Renfo getting open a lot more. And now taking away Darren Waller, I think it puts a lot more pressure on Devontae Adams. You know, he's going to find a lot more double coverages, stuff like that. So I think, I think all around, I don't think it's a smart move for the Raiders. I, I know they're trying to bring Josh Jacobs back. He's on the non-exclusive tag as well. He kind of seemed upset that Darren Waller got traded. So I, I just don't think it's a smart move for the Raiders. You know, I feel bad for the tons of talent they had there. I mean, they brought in Jimmy G. Yes, he's a veteran quarterback who has, you know, taken the team to Super Bowl, played around a lot of talent. And I think it's kind of the same, similar situation in Oakland. Ton of talent around him. Or that he had in San Francisco, I guess. But ton of talent around him. But at the same time, I think losing Darren Waller kind of takes that focus off of the off. That puts more focus on Devontae Adams, you know. I don't like that for the receiving core. I don't. I just don't think it's a good move. And I think I just feel bad for guys like Devontae, guys like Josh Jacobs, guys like Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, who are committed to the Raiders. And it's nothing against those guys. I think they're great players. I just have a feeling that this Josh McDaniels tenure is going to add end very poorly once once again, and he's just going to end up back in England. It's going to be proven that he's not a very solid head coach. So I hate that move for him. I hate. I just hate the move all around. I don't like it for the Giants at the end of the day. I don't like it for the Raiders at the end of the day, and I don't think it's going to benefit either team at the end of the day. And I hope that the Raiders just sell house or Darren Waller gets traded from the Giants next year because I just don't I just don't like it all around. Cowboys have made a couple moves. They cut uh, Ezekiel Elliott today after you know franchise tagging Tony Pollard a couple days ago. Uh, so you know everyone was talking about how much salary cap they're paying to their two running backs, but now it's very clear. That you know, Tony Pollard is the guy that they want. Zeke, I have no idea where he's going to go. Um, I don't think his production has been as good as it has in years past. We'll see what happens there. Ton of places that could use him. I don't think he's going to get the money that he was getting in Dallas. So it's just going to be interesting to see where he ends up going. I would think he'd want to go to a playoff Super Bowl contender team like the Chiefs or the Bills or the Bengals or somebody like that. But who knows? You know, they also did make a trade for Stephon Gilmore. He's been, you know. He was good quite a few years ago, but the past couple of years, his production has really went down. He's one of those guys that you just hear his name and you, you expect him to be good, but his production just hasn't been there. Colts got rid of him. I think that's a smart move for the Colts. They're, you know, they're really in a rebuilding process right now. Um, Cowboys, you know, if Stephon gets back to who he used to be two, three years ago, pretty dangerous duo of him and Trevon Diggs. I mean, I don't think Trevon Diggs is that great. He's just really good at catching the ball. Should just be a wide receiver like his brother, but... All around, it could pay off, but I also could see it not going very well for them. Colts also made another move. They cut Matt Ryan. Um, like I said, they should just go out and get Lamar as well. I mean, why not? Hold on. To, you know, I think it's a smart move. Try to, try to get that number one pick, maybe trade it. But but getting rid of Matt Ryan, I don't know what his where he's going to end up. I don't know if he'll even find a job in the league. You know, he's his production's been down the past couple of years. Kind of seems like he's slowly getting pushed out in a sense. So all around. It's a smart move for the Coles. You know, they don't want to have his salary cap on the roster anymore. I think it frees up quite a bit. I'm not exactly sure the amount, but I think it's at least, it's got to be at least 15 to 20 million, you know, doing that move. So 
We'll see. I hope. I just hope Matt Ryan gets the opportunity to maybe go somewhere else and see if he can still sling it and whatnot. You know, sticking with the quarterback trend, Baker Mayfield is now going to be uh, in the running for the starting quarterback job in Tampa Bay. I think that he'll beat Kyle Trask out for it. I, I think Baker could actually really excel. You think about the Buccaneers. I mean, that that roster still is in a position. I think to really beat Super Bowl contenders in a very weak NFC, especially now with Aaron Rodgers possibly in trade. We'll talk about that in a sec. But I really think that Baker Mayfield has the opportunity to really kind of revitalize his career in Tampa Bay. I mean, you think about the offensive weapons, you think about what the defense has. I mean, Levante, David, Devin White alone, like he, tons, tons of pass rush help. Secondary is not that bad. But what those two guys can do and dictate on defense really is amazing for the Buccaneers. And, you know, as long as they can keep those two there. And, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, tons of wide receiver talent there. I believe they, you know, I believe they cut Lenny. Yeah, they cut Lenny. But offensive line, you know, still has most of the pieces intact, I believe. So I think for Baker, it's a really good opportunity to revitalize his career. Go beat Kyle Trask out for the job. Shouldn't be that hard, in my opinion. I don't think Kyle Trask, and I didn't think he was that great at Florida, and I don't think he can have that potential in the NFL. I think the Buccaneers would be wasting a year of their talent if they decided to go with him. I think Baker's the better option. So ultimately, I think the Buccaneers are almost, in my opinion, for sure a playoff team because the NFC just doesn't have that much, that much depth to it, in my opinion. So... And when you think about what the NFC South is, Falcons don't really know who's going to be their starting quarterback. Panthers don't really know who their starting quarterback's going to be, even if it's a rookie guy. Don't I don't like it. I mean, they lost Sam Darnold. He's with the 49ers now. He could be the starting quarterback for the 49ers next, next year. And, you know, the Saints, Saints are probably in the best position in that division. And I, but even with Baker, I have more faith in Baker than I did Derek Carr. So, at the end of the day, I, I think the Bucs will win the NFC South next year. I think Derek Carr and the Saints are going to get probably a wild card spot now that there's three of them because the NFC is so weak. But I, I think the Bucks are now in prime position to win that division with, with not with ease, but I think they can, they're definitely, in my opinion, the favorites. I'd put money on them to win the division. I'll put it that way. Now, Aaron Rodgers obviously came out on Pat McAfee's show today, said that he does want to get traded to the Jets. You know, he, he kind of got the feeling that the Packers didn't want him anymore from what they've been saying in the media and just the conversations he'd had, had with them. So now he's going to New York. You know, he's been very outspoken against the COVID vaccination. Now he's going to be playing for Johnson & Johnson, the family they own the Jets. So pretty funny move. You know, he gave them the wish list. Obviously, everyone's heard about that. They already went out and got Alan Lazard. Um, probably can get OBJ. We'll see what happens. I'm going to be curious as what they're going to give up to um, get him, I guess, in the trade. Because the trade still needs to be finalized. I would think it would be at least two first-round picks for what Aaron Rodgers is. But all around... I feel like Aaron was kind of pressured to do this. I don't really feel like um, in the back of his mind, I think it's going to be a challenge. I mean, the AFC is loaded. You think about Chiefs and Bengals have been running the AFC the past two years. I mean, Chiefs won the Super Bowl this year. Obviously, Bengals, they went through the Super Bowl the year before. They, it's pretty much been those two the past two years. Pretty much doesn't look any different. Bills, obviously, they created some cast base. You know, they reconstructed some contracts, but they're going to be there contending. The Jaguars are getting better. The Browns, if they can figure it out, they're a team that has a ton of talent. The Ravens, if Lamar comes back, the Dolphins, I mean, tons of talent. If Tua can, you know, stay healthy and stay on the field and keep producing like he was last year, they're a tough team to beat. Um, I mean, now you throw in the Jets, you know, he's going to have to be playing the Bills twice a year. going to be playing the Dolphins twice a year. The Patriots, I have no faith in because Mac Jones is still their quarterback. Just, you know, then you look at even the AFC West. I don't think I don't trust the Raiders, but the Broncos, they're getting better. They added two solid offensive linemen this offseason and Ben Powers and Mike Glenchy. You know, Ben Powers is one of the best offensive guards in the NFL. So I just I don't I don't think that Aaron Rodgers really wanted to do this move. 
I, I, I think it could work out, but I don't see the Jets winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it could be exactly how the Brett Favre year was. I believe that they were, they had a chance to make the playoffs. They were like 10 and 6 that year, but they lost the tiebreaker, so they weren't in the playoffs. That kept them out. So I like it. I think it's going to be cool to see Aaron Rodgers somewhere different. They have, they have, just have a ton of young talent. You know, they're going to keep trying to add guys. I'm sure of it. Um, just curious to see what happens. You know, for the Packers, they get to move on with Jordan Love. We obviously saw him a little bit this year. Um, I know the year before we saw him didn't look good. We saw him this year looked a little bit better. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do in a full years of preparation as a starting quarterback if he's going to excel or if, you know, the Packers end up moving on. It would really be amazing if he excelled because then it would be like they go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love is a starting quarterback. Then maybe he's going to win a Super Bowl and then play for a couple more years, put these guys in limbo. Then he's going to end up on the Jets, you know, waiting for Kirk Cousins to ultimately, no offense, Kirk Cousins, I don't wish any ill will, but either get cut or hurt. And then, you know, next year, Aaron Rodgers is on the Vikings. Everything comes full circle. The Packers are just stuck in this spin cycle of we have a good quarterback, we draft another one, we win one Super Bowl, all this stuff. They're just going to keep doing it for years and years out. I would love to see it. You know, history repeats itself. If we don't learn from history, it continues to repeat itself. And Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have not learned from history. Ultimately, that's just where I see it going. So, but interesting move. I'm excited for it. It's going to make the AFC, like I said, AFC is going to be so jam-packed compared to what the NFC is. So, like, that's why I was talking about Baker Mayfield. I think he has the potential to take the Bucks very far, you know, make the playoffs. It's just it's such an easier conference in terms of quarterback talent and overall depth and just star power, I guess. So I love it. I hate it. I don't really know, but that's about it. Oh, one other quarterback move that that really interested me. Um, Jameis Winston, he is going to be staying in New Orleans. He came out. I didn't fully read the post here, but said that he loves this city. He wanted to stick around for one more year. I get it, I guess in a sense, but I also think Jameis can still be a good starting quarterback in the NFL. I just don't think that the saints have the right coaching staff. I'm, I'm worried about Derek Carr this year. Part of why I would, I'm putting the Bucks as my favorite to win that division next year is I don't really see the Saints coaching staff being in a prime position to actually be good. It seemed like this year they made a lot of dumb mistakes. They weren't the best on offense, and I know you had a lot of quarterback turnover, but at the same time, it's not that hard to figure out how to be successful. And I think with a guy like James Wilson on your roster, you could have been successful. You know, they chose to not play him when he came back to full health, so... I don't know, but that's all the free agency talk I got for today. All the big moves that I've noticed, everything I've seen, I did a little dive in, but those are just my thoughts and opinions. Now we will move on to my top five. My top five this week is my top five Cinderella teams of March Madness throughout my life. Now I'm not going to go back and look at all the other ones. These are just the ones that I've witnessed throughout the past couple years of my life or since I've been watching college basketball that really stuck out to me and that are memorable. So my top five Cinderella's, of all time, in my opinion, that I've seen. Okay. Number one, that 2011 Butler team, you know, with Matt Howard and Shelvin Mack, they went on a great run the year before, um, ultimately lost the national championship uh, to Duke off that Gordon Hayward classic buzzer beater that just dinked out. Um, you know, they came back next year, still had some talent. Brad Stevens still had a really good team in place. They obviously lost Gordon Hayward with the draft, but brought back Shelvin Mack, Matt Howard, two key pieces. Came in as a eight seed, beat Old Dominion, then they had a wild game against Pitt. I'm pretty sure it was a buzzer beater one. I'll have to not exactly positive about that. Then they went on to beat Wisconsin, you know, beat Florida, and then in the final four they make it there once again. Playing VCU was also Cinderella's story of their own. But then ultimately got back to the championship game, ran into 
Cardiac Kemba, who was just on an absolute tear that year. They didn't get their ass absolutely beat, but that was remember that game being kind of boring. But that was probably one of my favorite Cinderella stories based off of what they had done the year before and then come back next year, did it again. And if you think about it, man, Brad Stevens wins even one of those national championships. I think he's at Butler for life. I don't think he ever goes to the Celtics. I mean, he, he at that point, he'd already hit his plateau, it seemed like, at Butler. The next year, I don't, I don't think they did that great. I think they might have made the tournament, or maybe he even left. I don't even remember. But Brad Stevens, you know, that was ultimately, if he would have won one of those national championships, he'd be, Butler would be a completely different basketball program right now. Probably be regarded as one of the best coaches in basketball. Probably be getting five-star recruits out the ass. So, ultimately, that's one of those biggest what-ifs in, in sports history as well. My number two has to be the 08 Davidson team with Steph Curry. Putting Steph Curry on the map, just... I remember being, I was pretty young at that time, but I remember watching that on CBS Sports on like one of those big ass TVs. We had one of those big ass TVs that had like a ginormous back in it. But I just remember watching Steph take over and that's when I was like, holy cow, this guy is awesome. Couldn't wait to watch him get to the big leagues, obviously, and see what he's done now, but really put himself on the map, put Davidson on the map. It was an unreal run. They beat Gonzaga, you know, another one of those mid-major teams who have been looking for success for so many years. Once again, couldn't do it because they ran into a Cinderella story. They then went on to beat the two-seated Georgetown and then beat three seed to Wisconsin, and then ultimately lost to Kansas by one point in the lead eight. Kansas ended up winning the national championship against Memphis that year. So ultimately, another one of those big what if. What if Davison got to the final four? Was was Kansas the only team that could beat them? You know, so makes you wonder. Obviously, Kansas won that national championship on a buzzer beater to win it as well. But it's probably another one of those big what ifs. What if Davison wins? What does that do for Davison as a program as whole? You know. Just unreal. That's why I love March Madness is all these crazy stories. And you always can look back at the what ifs. What if that program, you know, did get to that top, did get that plateau like Butler almost did two times. So my number three, the 2013 Wichita State Shockers, another really fun team. Um, Ron Baker and Fred Fleet were on that team. They weren't as integral as planned and he early was. He was kind of the star of that team that year. And after this, in 2013 and then 2014, the next year, that team actually was a undefeated team that got the one seed and lost in the round of 32 to Kentucky. You know, another one of those teams that they really, they really, their success from this tournament run really pushed them forward um, for the next couple of years. I mean, they were getting talent out the ass. Landry Shamit came in a couple of years later. Just really a very big part of Wichita State's history is this this run that they had. And that's one of my favorite things about March is, you know, these smaller programs, they can go on one run and then it can kind of elevate the recruiting, elevate everything as a whole. People want to go play for them, you know? So, but that year, you know, they came in as a nine seed. They beat Pitt, went on to beat the one seed of Gonzaga, beat uh, LaSalle, who was the 13th seed. They were kind of for a Cinderella story as well. And then they beat number two, Ohio State, to go to the final four. And then ultimately they lost to Louisville in the final four, who ended up winning the national championship but got that vacated. So, you know, you wonder if all those scandals, if they would have got them early in Louisville, would have been a tournament with Wichita State. Would they have been in that national championship, but they have won it because Louisville was the only team to beat them. Louisville did end up winning the championship against Michigan. What, what, what would Wichita State have done, given the opportunity to try and play for a national championship? My number four, the 2018 Loyola Chicago team, you know, they've had a couple, ever since then, they've, they've really put themselves in the spotlight. That's when we, we as the world, were introduced to Sister Jean, who somehow is still alive, even though she looked like she was on her deathbed even five years ago. But that was a pretty fun team. They were led by Clayton Cluster. He was a stud. You know, they also had Cameron Crutwig, who classic mustache. You know, he put he they loyal Chicago tried to go on a run a couple of years later. Him and Lucas Williams were really the focus of that team. They were freshmen on that team. 
got a couple of minutes, but really put them on the map as well. You know, they beat number six seed Miami that year, then beat three seed Tennessee. Then they beat number seven, Nevada, who that was another fun team that was uh, looking to make a little bit of a Cinderella run themselves. You know, they had the Cody and Caleb Martin twins. Eric Mossman was actually the head coach of them at the time. But ultimately, they then beat Kansas State to go to the Final Four and then lost to Michigan in the Final Four, but ended up losing the national championship. Once again, that's just what Michigan does. They can never seem to finish the job. Classic Michigan sports, right? My number five. 2021 Oral Roberts, and they didn't go very deep. They only made it to the Sweet 16, but I, I like them again this year to make a possible run. But really what stood out to me about them was that dynamic duo of Max Amos and Kevin O'Banner. I absolutely love those two guys. They were I just enjoyed watching them play basketball. I've obviously I've continued to follow them even now. You know, Kevin O'Banner ended up transferring to Texas Tech. Max Amos is still at Oral Roberts, having a really good year once again this year. They were one of my favorite teams over the over the course of my Cinderella life or whatever you want to call it, I guess. But, you know, they beat Ohio State, then beat Florida, and then they only lost the two by Arkansas. You know, once again, you know, they would have they would have had one more shot going away. What could they have done? How far could they have gone? Just, I love those stories about March. It's what makes March Madness fun. Put them as a program on the map. Obviously, you know, Amos stuck around. Look what it's doing for them now. You know, a lot of talk about them upsetting Duke. Um, I don't know if their game's Thursday or Friday, but... That's just why you love March, man. But that is my top five favorite Cinderella teams throughout my history of life of whatever. I can't even put the words together to make it make sense of watching March Madness. Those are my five favorite Cinderella teams of my life. But now we move on to one love, one hate. I'm just going to get this out of the way. I don't got no hate this week. I'm too happy. I'm too excited about March Madness. So this week I got no hate. but I got tons of love the first day of March Madness, man. I, I know I loved on March because of March Madness last week, but I just I just love it, dude. It, I'm going to be watching basketball all day. You know, I work from home so I can just can have games here on my computer. I can put a game out on the TV as well and go check the score here and there. got my laptop. I can sit here and watch games and get my work done. Love it. Absolutely. Just I did it last year, you know. Just everything about March Madness and that first day, you know, just watching those full games and then, you know, doing it again on Friday. Just a wall-to-wall TV on all day, watching basketball. There's nothing better. Watching all the upsets, watching all the blowouts, watching you know, storylines be built. It's There's nothing like it. Those first first day, first two days of March Madness, you just can't beat it. Some of the best days in sports, in my opinion. So that's what I'm loving on this week. Like I said, I got no room for hate in my heart this week because I'm just too excited to watch basketball all weekend long. Probably lose a lot of money. Probably not because I don't have a lot of money to gamble. Maybe I'll gamble a little. Who knows? But I love it. As well, now we're going to move on to college basketball. We're going to break down the March Madness tournament. So <clears throat> what I'm going to do here is I'm going to break down, you know, kind of these first couple games, probably give, you know, a couple picks who, based off that, who I think is going to advance, yada, 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 so, so on and so forth. And then, you know, I'm planning on pretty much talking about most of these, these first round games. And then um, Saturday, late Friday night or early Saturday morning, I'm going to put out another little mini pod talking about the round of 32 games. So, be, look, be on the lookout for that if you want to hear about my advice or anything like that. So first, let's just get, I'm going to talk about a couple trends here. If you haven't put out your bracket or you're, you're looking, you're just more of a gamble guy, here's a couple trends you got to look out for. 100% of national champions um, since 1993 have made their conference semifinals. There's quite a few teams that fit that criteria. I can break them all down here. I mean, let's just go through it. Arizona, Marquette, Mizzou, UCL. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Well, yeah, I am. UCLA, Purdue, Creighton. UConn, Memphis, TCU, Virginia, Indiana, Xavier, Miami, Houston, Penn State, Arizona State, Kansas, Iowa State, St. Mary's, Texas A&M, Texas, Duke, 
Alabama, Gonzaga. Hurry up, run that back, listen to it, grab a pen and paper, write that down. Those are more than likely you're your national champions. You know, there's also another stat since 2002. This is the one that most people know. It's the Ken Palm, you know, top 40 and top 22 in defense. Um, quite a few teams fit into that criteria this year. That one, you know, that one's been pretty consistent. It seems like I know Kansas fell into that last year. I didn't actually break down who all the teams were. You can go find that one wherever on on TikTok, Twitter, whatever. Just type Ken Palm College Basketball. You're going to find the results you're looking for. <laughs> Since 1997, another one here. Since 1997, no champion has um, no champion has come from pretty much the West Coast. It's pretty much Kansas is the line that's drawn um, on a map. I you can find this one on Twitter as well. Pretty much anyone in the Pac-12, Mountain West Conference, they've never won a, a national championship. Obviously, Gonzaga since 1997. I think Arizona was the last team to do it. Arizona, I do really like this year to actually possibly go and get it done. And since 2004, this is another point, since 2004, the national champion has come from within the top 12 of the Week 6 AP poll. Those 12 teams being Purdue, Virginia, UConn, Alabama, Houston, Tennessee, Texas, Kansas, Arizona, Arkansas, Baylor, and Duke. A lot of those teams, you know, a lot of people like them to make deep runs. A lot of people like them to win. A lot of people are picking UConn, Duke, I out of that list honestly if one's going to come from that in my opinion i really really like arizona and i really like texas i do like houston i'll break i'll break that down here in a bit but that's kind of a trend that's been going on since what did i say 2004 so definitely one that's been very interesting and you want to keep your eye on and also another one that gets a little interesting here is three of the last 10 champions have won their conference title so only about 30 percent of teams that have won their conference championship have went on to win a national title Teams that fall into that category, if they did, you know, you got Memphis, VCU, I think could be a dark horse, Duke, Texas, Marquette, Purdue, FAU, San Diego State, Arizona, Alabama, Gonzaga, you know, a couple of those like FAU, Memphis, they're going to play each other, but those teams that I think could make a deep run, but, you know, just kind of look out for them, you know, sometimes, you know, playing that extra game or two can really give you some tired legs, you know, not having a loss going into the tournament, you know, you're not playing with a lot of necessary motivation, you're feeling kind of hot, feeling above yourself or whatever you want to call it. So that's definitely a, that's definitely a risky one there as well. And since 2000, only four teams have won a national title with lower than 36% from beyond the, beyond the three point line. So a lot of teams that shoot the ball really well. And there's a lot of those big time programs that don't really fit above that 36%. So it's definitely one to be paying attention to, you know, be looking at, that's one stat you definitely want to look at um, when you're looking at just betting games. Because teams that can shoot three, those are the teams that are more than likely they're going to pull off upsets. Some of those teams include Colgate. They, they are what the best shoot, three-point shooting team in the country. You can see Asheville, another mid-major team that shoots really good for me on the arc. Grand Canyon. Um, just tons and tons. You'll look at that one. Go look at that stat. Tons of teams um, in those mid-major levels who really shoot the three ball very well and can definitely, definitely a team to watch out for that could be definite bracket busters, you know. And then... That's the last one, I guess. I, I just had my note about doing my podcast, uh, doing a little mini pod on um, Friday, Saturday morning, somewhere, or Friday night, Saturday morning, somewhere in there. I'll, I'll release that, so be able to check that out before the games kick off on Saturday as well. But let's get into it. We're going to go start off with the South. Alabama obviously gets the overall number one seed. Um, my favorite is Alabama in that in that region. I, I do really like Alabama to come out. They've been playing really good basketball. I do see a, a potential for some upsets possibly, but I really do think Alabama can make a run. They are the favorite. I mean, tons of people are betting them to win it as well. 
I don't really know if I think that they're going to come out of that region, but they're definitely the favorite as a whole. My sleeper team out of that um, region is San Diego State. They have a tough road ahead of them, though. They start off at Charleston. We'll talk about that game here in a little bit. Um, they're actually, Charleston's my favorite upset pick of this one. You know, it's, I'm like the double entendre here. I love San Diego State, but I also love Charleston. Um, San Diego State, they are a top 10 team defensively. They've been playing great defense all year. I definitely think they can give a team like Alabama fits if they can get to the Sweet 16, you know, a whole week to prepare for something like that. So San Diego State, I definitely could see making a run to the Final Four possibly. Um, but like I said, my upset is also Charleston, upset San Diego State because they, they're one of those teams that can shoot three really well. I don't want to talk about that too much. I got to – we'll do – We'll talk about it in a sec. Going to the game breakdown, Alabama versus Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. Alabama should roll that one easy. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, congratulations, you made the tournament. They already played a game. I think that gives Alabama a little bit of a leg up, so I expect them to, to win pretty easily. The 8-9 game there, Maryland-West Virginia. Um, this one I'm kind of going back and forth on. Both these teams aren't that great on the road. Um, you know, and Yeah, these are neutral side games, but still technically it's on the road, playing in a different environment, not playing at home. Because at home, I'd put, put West Virginia down without without question. But I really just think that this game is going to be it's going to be tough, man. I think Maryland's really good. Um, they're very good defensively. They're only allowing about sixty three points per game. So I think that's going to kind of give them the edge. You know, like I said, West Virginia not too good on the road. I think they'll struggle again. I, I know that the odds are leaning towards West Virginia winning this game, but in my opinion. I'm leaning towards Maryland actually winning this game and advancing on. That would set up a Maryland versus Alabama game. I, I think Alabama would roll that one pretty easily. So there's Alabama's my sweet 16 right now. Put, put a mental note of that. And then, you know, I got San Diego State, Charleston. Like I said, this is just a, my favorite sleeper and my favorite upset team of, of this region. Um, San Diego State, like I said, top 10 team defensively. They're very good on defense. They've been very good all year. They have, you know, a really, really good ton of talent. You know, Matt Bradley, a very good guard. But, you know, at times he's struggled this year. He's, he is leading the team in scoring. So I do think that, you know, they run a little bit of risk there. If he if he goes silent, not a lot of, not a lot of help there. Um, really what this game comes down to is if San Diego State continues to defend like they have all year and stop Charleston from shooting threes, they should win. But if Charleston gets hot, it's going to be really tough, really tough to beat them. I mean, they're averaging about 80 points per game right now. They've been they're just they're they're a really good team. You know they're a favorite upset pick as well. But I really think San Diego State's going to pull this one out, advance on to the next round. Then Virginia versus Thir Furman, thirteen seed Furman. I was to say thirteen and Furman at the same time. They come out with the third, the third whatever. Um, I think I may have lied though when I, I just realized this. I think I may have lied when I said my favorite upset pick of this region is Charleston. I think it's actually going to be Furman. Furman's another team that can shoot three really well. Virginia has been up and down all year. Um, they're inconsistent on offense. They Everyone was giving them fits in the ACC, and I really don't think the ACC is really that good this year. I mean, they got beat by Duke for the ACC title. I just don't think Virginia, you know, they're another team that's just not – they're kind of going off their early season success, their record as well. It's kind of what got them this four seed, but I ultimately think Furman's going to win this game. I believe they fall into that category of a team that shoots 36% uh, from beyond the arc. Let me double-check here. They don't. I thought that they were. I thought they were really good offensively. Um, let me see here. You know, they average about 82 points a game. They have four guys that are getting more than 10 points a game. So, you know, they have guys that they don't have to rely on one guy kind of like Virginia does. You know, Virginia is very inconsistent on offense. They only score about 68 points per game, I believe. So they're not really that good. Um, Mike Bothwell, he's going to be a name to watch. Could be a real fun Cinderella story to watch. 
throughout this tournament if you know, Furman makes a run. He's averaging about 18 points per game. So a ton of talent there for Furman. And, you know, the ability to score is very important. And Bothwell being a guard, you know, you need to have a solid guard to make a run in this tournament. Obviously, it would set up a San Diego State-Furman matchup then. Um, just filling out my bracket here with me as we go, huh? It just If you've got a bracket, just fill this one out. I got all the right picks. So then I would set up San Diego State-Furman. I think San Diego State would roll that. Um, I think they're just too good defensively right now. And, you know, just a good team defensively can be very important to make a run in the tournament. And having a solid guard like Matt Bradley can really give them the chance to make a deep run in the tournament. Sets that up that game against Alabama, San Diego State. Honestly, I'm leaning San Diego State if that was the case. In my bracket, I picked them to advance to the lead eight. I just did because I think they're going to be too good defensively. I think that they can shut down Alabama possibly. Fresh legs, you know, they've been playing good back all year, but they haven't had to play as tough as opponents all year. Sometimes that does come into the benefit once we get deep into the tournament. So that's just, that's my pick. Creighton, just like I was talking about West Virginia and Maryland earlier, another one of those teams that really struggles on the road. They've been, un they were unreal this year at home, you know, neutral sites. I still consider them road games in my opinion. So I, I, I think NC State kind of got in on a fluke. They haven't really been that good this year. I mean, I remember saw something that North Carolina picked and has a better resume than North Carolina's on the tournament. They lost to Clemson three times, another team that isn't in the tournament. So a little interesting to me. I'm going to take Creighton to win this game because Creighton does have some offense, some weapons on offense, and they, they can score the ball. I don't think NC State has been that good, or they can really show up. They've kind of been on a downhill turn most of the second half of the season, so I think Creighton wins this one advances pretty easily. Baylor, UC Santa Barbara. Baylor, you know, they've had a little bit of inconsistency. They lost in the Big 12 tournament to Iowa State. Kind of an embarrassing loss for them, but I think, you know, Scott Drew is an experienced head coach. He's obviously took a team to a national title before. I think that Baylor is kind of in a good position to make a run again this year. I think, you know, after losing Iowa State, they're going to come back rested, focused, kind of roll right through UC Santa Barbara, set up a matchup with Creighton, in my opinion. I think Baylor rolls right through Creighton just because of, Baylor, or of Creighton's struggles on the road. So, Baylor advances to Sweet 16. Missouri, Utah State. You know, I think the line's sitting in Utah State's favor right now. They are a pretty good team. Um, but, in my opinion, Mizzou has been really hot lately. I mean, they, they lost, obviously, to Alabama, but they've been really good throughout the second half of the season. They've been really good all season, honestly. And I, I think that, you know, they're going to come out a little bit more inspired. I don't really think that Utah State is up to their level of play. I think the Mountain West Conference kind of got lucky getting three teams in. And I think looking at them as a whole, I don't think Utah State's that great. So I'm, I'm predicting that Missouri wins that game and advances on to the next round. Setting up a matchup against Arizona. Princeton, Arizona, that should be a pretty good one as well. Princeton is one of those teams, though, that, let me double-check, that shoots really well from beyond the arc. Bro, I'm just lying. I keep thinking these teams do, but they don't, so I'm sorry. Princeton's not, so I think Arizona rolls that one pretty easy. They're one of my favorites to actually win the tournament. Arizona advances on. They'll play Mizzou. I think Arizona wins that, sets up a Baylor-Arizona game. I think Arizona advances, going against San Diego State. Gives me Arizona in the Final Four. That's my pick right now. So Arizona is my first team in the Final Four. Point blank period, done. Moving on to the next region, if I can get my fucking cursor to follow. We have the East region. That's uh, Purdue got the number one seed. Purdue's obviously the favorite to come out of this one. Everyone's really liking Purdue. Really hard to stop Zach Eady, so that's, that they're the favorite in that one. My sleeper, though, as I could see a team like Memphis making a run. Um, Kendrick Clark, I believe. Yes, Kendrick Clark from Memphis played an unreal game against Houston um, last weekend to win the AAC. I think if Memphis shows up and has um, plays very well against VAU and then 
obviously beat a Purdue team. I think they could really make a run and really make some noise throughout the tournament. My favorite upset pick is Providence against Kentucky. I'm going to talk about that in a sec, but that's my favorite upset pick in, in that one. One versus 16, Purdue versus whoever wins the 16 game tonight. I'm recording this before the two first four games tonight, um, but I think Purdue rolls that one pretty easily. Memphis, FAU. Obviously, Memphis is my favorite super team like I talked about, but they're not going to be going up against any old easy team. FAU is very good. They've only lost about three games this year, I believe. They've been really good. Memphis is one of those. Uh, Memphis and FAU are both really good on offense. Um, for Memphis, they fall into the you know their top 40 in offense and defense in Ken Palm, so they're not the topper at upper echelon of teams defensively, but they're still sitting in that area where, you know, they're a good team and they can make stops. And FAU, to me, tons of talent. I mean, they have <coughs> they have quite a few guys that can score the ball. John L. Davis and Elijah Martin. I mean, they've, they've been very well, very good this year for them. Um, I just don't think that they've played too many tough opponents. And I think, you know, they, their, their record looks good. Their resume looks good on paper. But I don't think that, you know, playing good, better teams, I guess, um, is – it can, it's going to have a downfall for them, so I don't think that they're an actual nine seed. I think they should be lower. I don't see them winning this game. I'm going Memphis based off of Kendrick Davis' performance last week, and I think that he can really take this team to the next level. And I, like I said, I think they could make a run. So that would set up a Purdue-Memphis game, obviously. And honestly, I'm taking Memphis to win. I don't think Purdue, Matt Painter, he always seems to choke, and I just have a feeling he's going to do it again this year. So Memphis advances on to the Sweet 16. Duke. Oral Roberts. Um, once again, I probably lied when I said my favorite upset pick because I really, I really love Oral Roberts. I'm already putting money line money, I'm betting money line for Oral Roberts. I don't like Duke. Um, the ACC has been down this year. I've been hearing a lot of people talking about that, but I've also heard a lot of people talking about Duke is in prime position to make a run because when they've had all their guys healthy, they're 17 and one this year. Some people don't think they should have been a five seed. I kind of agree. I mean, you look at that when they're fully healthy, they're 17 and one. Really speaks volume to what they could have been all year. Obviously, won the ACC, but I think they got that five seed because the ACC was weaker this year. And I think, you know, they wanted to see how they perform against a, a Cinderella story, possibly like Will Roberts. Talked about Max Amos earlier. He's been unreal this year. I was about 22 points a game. I just have a weird feeling that he's just going to take over this first game, especially Will Roberts is going to roll. They're going to win this game. I just, something about it seems fishy to me. Do get in the five seed. ACC not being that good this year, or Roberts being really hot, only losing a couple games this year. Max Amos is ability to take over the game. I think he's going to do that um, whenever they play. I don't know if it's Thursday or Friday. I think it's Friday. I just think that Oral Roberts is going to win that game and advance on. Tennessee versus Louisiana. UL, Louisiana doesn't have a chance in this game. I, Tennessee is one of the best teams defensively in the country. Um, I think that they're going to roll right past them, go on to play Oral Roberts, but Rick Barnes has never really been that good in the tournament. Tennessee has a lot of ups and downs this year. They've been good, but then they've been bad. Lost a lot of games they shouldn't. I see Oral Roberts winning that, so I, and that puts an Oral Roberts-Memphis um, Sweet 16 matchup that I think Memphis wins. Would be an unreal duel between Kendrick Davis and um, Max Amos. I, I should just clip this out and save it for later for when that happens because those guys are just going back and forth. They're just going back and forth, but Memphis advances on to the Elite Eight. Kentucky-Providence. Big storyline here. Big one that the, the committee set up. Bryce Hopkins, star player for um, Providence, was actually at Kentucky last year, transferred, and has that, an unreal year. But, you know, on the other hand, Kentucky lost to St. Peter's last year. Oscar Shibwe came back because he wanted to make a statement. He wanted to go back to the tournament. He wanted to make a run. This is his opportunity to do that. I think it's just, this is going to be one of the better first-round games. I think we're going to have a 
back and forth duel of Kentucky and Providence. Oscar Shibway, Bryce Hopkins is back and forth, back and forth. Kentucky does have more talent, I think. But ultimately, I think Bryce Hopkins' revenge factor or the chance to upset his old team, I think that comes into effect. I think Providence wins, wins that game on whatever day they play. Kansas State versus Montana State. Sorry to any of my friends or family or listeners that are back home in Montana and are a Bobcats fan. Fucking Bobcats don't have a chance in this game. Wildcats are bigger, faster, stronger than a Bobcat in natural wildlife. So I believe Kansas State should roll this one easily. I love Kansas State as a whole. Love their dynamic duel that they have. I think they win. They advance on. Setting up a game against Providence. I think Kansas State wins. I, Kansas State might win a national championship this year. I keep all the brackets I keep doing. They somehow keep getting close to that finish line. So I really like Kansas State to advance on to the Sweet 16. And then the 7-10 matchup in this region, Michigan State-USC. Um, should be a really good 7-10 matchup. Tom Izzo, you know, back in the tournament. Everyone calls him Mr. Martin. He has a national championship in like 23, 24 years. Just 23 years, I believe. Um, but he does have a pretty good team this year. Uh, the Spartans have been up and down, you know. Uh, USC isn't bad that either. Isn't bad either. I heard somebody call this matchup the Trojan War, you know, the Spartans versus the Trojans. So should be a really good game. I think it has a lot of potential to be. Um, a, a real nail biter. I was struggling to who I wanted to pick, but then ultimately, to me, comes down to the fact that I don't think the Pac-12 is that tough this year. I think USC kind of got in on a whim, so I'm, I'm rocking Michigan State to win that game. Marquette versus Vermont. Vermont is a really a quiet sleeper upset team. They have a they have some really good talent. I watched them actually play um, in the American East Championship game this last weekend. They look really good. They have a lot of potential to win. And I think they they shoot really well from beyond the arc. Let me just make sure I'm probably wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's no Vermont. They don't fit into that 36% or better category. Um, but they do have a lot of depth and um, <clears throat> a lot of seniors. Experience does play a big factor here. Shaka Smart, obviously, this is only his second year at Marquette's kind of turned the program around. I really, I really do like Marquette though, and I think Marquette will get the job done. Just don't be surprised if Vermont holds the upset. But I'm leaning towards Marquette winning this game. Then that would set up a Marquette-Michigan State game. I think if Marquette, you know, they obviously won the Big East title. I think they're putting up a lot of confidence right now. I think they can get past Vermont, and I think they can get past Michigan State. Um, obviously, in my bracket, I have them playing Kansas State. I think Kansas State wins that game, however. Sets up Kansas State versus Memphis for a chance with a Final Four. I'm picking Kansas State to win that. So now we have Arizona and Kansas State in the Final Four. I should just write this down. What am I doing? Arizona, Kansas State, because I didn't. I didn't really fully write it down. I didn't pull up my bracket either. But Arizona, Kansas State, those are my two in the final four right now. So we'll get back to that in a second. Moving on to the Midwest region. Where's my cursor? There it is. Midwest region. Um, the favorite's kind of been up and down here. Um, a lot of people like Houston. A lot of people like Texas. In my opinion, I think Texas is more of a favorite um, just because they played a little bit tougher competition, a little bit more battle-tested. Obviously, won the Big 12 this year, so I think they're the favorite to come out in this one. Um, my favorite sleeper, though, is Miami. Um, I know their big man did get hurt over the weekend, but it sounds like it was just a little ankle sprain. He should be good to go. I love what uh, Isaiah Wong does. I love the way he scores the ball. He's a really good point guard. I think he has a chance to retake this team on a run. My favorite upset pick, though, has to be Pittsburgh um, going against Iowa State. Talk about that in a sec, but, you know, we'll talk about that in a sec. I don't need to get too much into detail. Pitt's my favorite upset pick, though. Houston versus Northern Kentucky. Houston, it's been proven that after they lose a game, they beat up on their next opponent. So that's going to be the case um, when they play tomorrow. They should win that game pretty easily. Houston advances on. Iowa, Auburn. Can can the big question about this game is can Auburn keep up with Iowa? Iowa scores the ball at an unreal rate. They score about 80 a game. You know, 
Chris Murray. He's he can score the ball out well. Keegan Murray's brother. I always get them mixed up. But it's Chris Murray. I got it right this time. I think that you know. I think Iowa wins this game, but there is the factor of this game being played in Birmingham, Alabama, not too far from Auburn. If you're not familiar with where Auburn is located, not too far from there. So Auburn kind of possibly has the home court advantage, possibly could play into their factor, could play not, but I just don't think that Auburn can keep up with them. Um, as long as Iowa's scoring, as long as Chris Murray's scoring, I think Iowa wins that game. But at the same time, Auburn has been up and down this year. They have won a couple games, you know, as of late, but for the most part, they've been struggling. I think they kind of stuck into the tournament. I think Iowa wins and advances on to play Houston. Doesn't Houston doesn't have to worry about playing Auburn basically at home. Houston should win that game. Houston advances on to Sweet 16. Miami Drake. Miami versus Drake, not Drank. Miami versus Drake. <clears throat> I love points in this game. Both teams can really score the ball. I think Drake's getting about 75 a game. Miami's getting about 79 a game. Really like the over. Really like the, the, both these teams can really score. Um Drake has a guy by the name of Tucker DeBrise who can score really well. He kind of leads the team. Um, but the only thing that worries me about them is he's really only their, their double-digit scorer. And, you know, Miami has four different guys that are getting double-digit points. You know, they have the ability to lean on more guys than just one, unlike Drake. So I think that's the factor there. I think that's why Miami advances on to the next round. Indiana, Kent State. Kent State is a, a lot of people's up, uh, one of people's upset picks. I do like the possibility of them upsetting. I, they can really... They're a really good team, and they can really score the ball. They're very good defensively and offensively, and that's a key factor to make tournament run. Um, you know, for Indiana, it's really Trace Jackson Davis on offense, and that that worries me. I mean, a couple of the games they lost this year, you know, he only put up 11 or 13 points, so when he's having a bad night, they'd lose. So they really need him to be productive. I, I kind of like Kent State to pull the upset here. I'm, I'm, leaning, I'm picking Kent State to advance. Just I have a weird feeling that Trace Jackson Davis is going to show up, but the rest of the team isn't, and that's going to ultimately – Halt them from advancing. So that would set up Miami versus Kent State. I have Miami advancing on to then play Houston um, in the Sweet 16. That one I've been, <coughs> that one I've been, <coughs> excuse me, oh, so I'm stuck in my throat now. I've really been going back and forth on who wins that game. Um, as long as Marcus Sasser is healthy for Houston, I think they win. And I, I think he's good to go. I know he was out. In the AAC tournament, but I think he'll be good to go. I think Houston advances on to the Elite Eight. Xavier, Kennesaw State, um, as long as Xavier scores, they win. But if they don't, they could lose Kennesaw State. Um, in terms of Ken Palm ratings, their offense and defense really isn't that good. It's pretty bad, honestly. But they can shoot the three, and that's going to be a big factor. But so can Xavier. Xavier has the second-best three-point percentage shooting in the country. So as long as Xavier scores and as long as they can play good, good enough defense to, to stop Kansas State from scoring, I think Xavier wins, but definitely one definitely one to watch out there. And then Iowa State versus Pitt. That's the 6-11 game there. Um, I'm going Pitt. You know, it's been proven, um, I think, ever since the first four came into creation or whatever, um, one of the 11 seeds that wins advances on to the round of 32. I think Pitt is in prime position to do that. I watched them last night. I've watched them a lot this year. They're very good, and they They've lost the games they shouldn't have, but they're a really good team. I think they're more deserving of a higher seed than an 11 seed, honestly. But that's just, you know, the AAC, the ACC as a whole, everyone knows it's not really the best conference this year. So I think that kind of shot them in the foot. But I really don't like Iowa State. Iowa State's really bad on the road. I was surprised they beat Baylor in the Big 12 championship. They've had a really up and down year. They've won some games they should have, lost a lot of games they shouldn't have. They've been horrible on the road. An neutral side game still is on the road to me. So I think Pitt advances on. Pulls off the upset, sets up a matchup against Xavier. 
That's another one I've been going back and forth on. I don't know who I think is going to win, but I'm going to lean Xavier right now for the sake of filling out the bracket. So Xavier advances on to the Sweet 16. And then sets up, we have a 7-10 matchup, Texas A&M versus Penn State, two of the hottest teams in the country right now in all regards. Both um, made their conference championship. Both, I think, Penn State, I think Texas A&M could have got a higher seed. Penn State, not really. I mean, they kind of snuck their way in. But I think really what this game comes down to, because these teams are very similar, is head coaching Buzz Williams. You know, he's been around. He's been in the tournament quite a few times. I think his experience is going gonna, is gonna to pay dividends for this matchup. Micah Shrewsbury, head coach for Penn State. It's only his second year as a head coach as a whole. He's done an unreal job for Penn State this year. I just think that experience is going to come down and win this game for Texas A&M. They advance on to either play Texas or Colgate, which I really, really, I'm, I'm picking Texas right now. But I'm really freaking out about if I think Texas is actually going to win. A lot of times, you know, teams that win their conference championships seem to struggle once tournament time comes around. Col Colgate, best three-point shooting team in the country. But Texas is also one of the best teams defensively in the country. What do they sit right now? They're they have the 11th best defense in Ken Palm. They've been playing good defense all year. As long as their defense shows up and their offense can score, because they do have quite a few guys that are getting double digits right now, as long as they do that and they show up and they score and play defense, they win. But if they don't, Colgate will pull upset. Don't be afraid to throw a little bit of money on Colgate money line to win the game or even Colgate spread. I'll probably bet Colgate spread because I don't. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. But I, I do think Texas advances on. Then to play Texas A&M. Obviously, everyone's been talking about that matchup. You know, the committee setting up for rivalries, stuff like that. Future SEC matchup here in a couple of years. I do think that Texas would have the advantage in that one. I think Texas would advance to the Sweet 16. Play Xavier. I think they'd beat Xavier. I don't think Xavier can make a deep run. I do, I do think Xavier is at risk for upsetting either the first or the second round. So, a lot of iffiness there. But I do think they'll advance on. I do think Texas beats them, though. However, sets up a Texas versus Houston uh, Elite Eight matchup that should be really fun to watch, you know, for the chance to go to Houston where the Final Four will be located. Big opportunity for Houston to be playing at home, basically, in a sense, you know, being able to stay in your own house for most of the week leading up to the Final Four and stuff like that. So, huge advantage for them. I got to go Houston, I think. I think I got to go Houston to advance to the Final Four. So, that one, that one now we're up to Arizona. Kansas State and Houston at Final Four. Last region, the West region. Got to get my cursor down here. Hold up, hold up. Uh, a lot of people's favorite coming out of this one is UConn. UConn has a history of, you know, making the Final Four whenever it's uh, located in somewhere in Texas. It's just like a proven weird stat. Um, Kansas another favorite in this one, but we'll see. We'll see who actually comes out on top. If you say it's fully healthy, they'd be the favorite, and I would. They'd be my betting favorite to win this win this one as well. But my sleeper team is TC. I know that Eddie Lampkin, he just um, hit the transfer portal. He's no longer with the program. But Mike Miles, you need a guard that can score and score points at will. He's that kind of guy. So they're my sleeper team to possibly make a run. <clears throat> my favorite, well, it's not my favorite. It's my guaranteed upset is Boise State. I think that they'll win their matchup. We'll talk about that one here in a sec. But let's just go through it. Kansas, Howard. Um, Howard's decent team. You know, congratulations made for the tournament. But I think Kansas wins that one easily. Um, whether Bill Self is healthy or not, I think Kansas will advance. I think Bill Self will be back on the sidelines. I don't know. But what's really interesting is who's Kansas going to play in the next round, either Arkansas or Illinois. Both these teams have a ton of dudes. Arkansas has a ton of, you know, potential lottery picks this next year. Nick Smith kind of headlines that group. Illinois has a ton of talent um, and experience. So I really love this matchup. You know, it's probably the best 8-9 game, probably one of the best first-round matchups as well. Um, 
Arkansas, you know, they're a fringe top 10 team defensively all year long. That's really been one of the staples of Eric Musselman. He, he's always been very good um, with defense, it seems like. Um, but they do have guys that can score. They have three or four guys that are getting double digits. So they're definitely a team to watch out for. Illinois, same kind of thing. You know, they've been they're kind of sitting in the higher averages. Um, Ken Pomeranes, offense and defense. You know, they have, I think, ultimately, I think Illinois wins this game. Comes down to the type of guys. I don't think that, you know, Arkansas has the experience, whereas Illinois does. They have Terrence Chan Jr., who's been, who's at Texas Tech the past couple of years and transferred into Illinois. Really solid guard. He's getting about 17 points a game. Coleman Hawkins, you know, he's a small forward, power forward type guy. He's been, he's there last year, you know, past couple of years when they made a couple of runs in the tournament. He, he can really take over a game as well. And then ultimately, Matthew Mayer, obviously, he's a part of that Baylor National Championship team. I, I really think that, you know, their their experience is going to win Illinois this game. Sets up Illinois versus Kansas, which I think Illinois upsets Kansas and advances on to the next round. Um, Bill Self used to coach at Kansas, so or used to coach at Illinois, excuse me. I feel like it's a little bit of Illinois um, karma, I guess is what you want to call it. I think Illinois will win that game, move on to the Sweet 16. St. Mary's versus VCU. Very, very interesting um, 5-12 matchup. Um, 60.1 points per game, fifth lowest in the country. That's what St. Mary's defense has been doing all year long. They've been really good defensively. They're really good beyond the arc. I'm pretty sure they, I know for a fact, I know for a fucking fact, I know for a fact, I told you, they fall into that 36% three-point shooting. They're very, very good three-point shooting, and they're very efficient on offense as well. Um, what is their offensive Ken Palm rating? And they're in the top 40, I guess. They also fit the defensive criteria. They fall into the ninth best defense in the country. Not exactly sure. You know, they're, I think they're the low 30s, or because I didn't fill it all the way out. But they're low 30s, maybe um, high 20s, I guess. Ken Palm offense, they're very good offensively. You know, Ace Baldwin does leave DCU. I think they, they have a chance to pull upset here. But ultimately, I'm, I'm leaning towards St. Mary's. They have a lot more. They don't have to rely on Ace Baldwin. He only gets 12 points a game for DCU. There's not a lot of scoring ability there for them. Um, it's going to come down to, you know, the pace of the game. I think St. Mary's ultimately, though, wins this game, advances on to the next round. Everyone's thinking that we're moving on. Sorry. Sorry. I'm getting way too far ahead of myself. UConn, Iona. And everyone is thinking, you know, UConn's going back to the Final Four. I don't think UConn is getting out of the first round. Rick Patino is trying to put himself back on the map. He's done an unreal job at Iona the past couple of years. He's in the mix for St. John's head coaching position. Georgetown, you know, that more than likely he's going to be back in the Big East, it sounds like. I'm not, I didn't do any research in this game. I didn't dive into numbers, stats, anything. I just feel it deep down in my plums that Iona and that dirty greaseball Rick Pitino, that perverted Italian that he is, is going to advance on to the next round, play St. Mary's. St. Mary's wins that game, moves on to the Sweet 16 to play Illinois. That one I've been going back and forth on. Ultimately, I'm just leaning on Illinois' experience this year. I feel like, you know, the guys that they have could actually carry them deep into this tournament. I think they'd advance on to the lead eight if they played a St. Mary's team. So, and then 6-11, um, it's either going to be TCU versus either Arizona State or Nevada, whoever wins that game tonight. I think it's going to be Arizona State. That's my pick to win that game. Um, if you're listening to this before that game kicks off and I'm wrong, no surprise, I always seem to be fucking wrong. But I don't think it matters who TCU plays. I really like them. I really think they can have a chance to make a run in this tournament with Mike Miles. So, TCU, I would have advancing no matter who they play. Gonzaga Grand Canyon, congrats to Grand Canyon on making the tournament. Um, you know, they're a really good three-point shooting team, but nobody scores scores more points a game than Gonzaga. And I just think it's going to be a cakewalk game for the Zags, kind of get back on their feet. Everyone's going to start talking about them. Then they'll play TCU, and I think TCU actually upsets Gonzaga and advances on to Sweet 16. That's just my pick, okay? Don't fucking deal. Don't get upset. I'm upset. Zag fan. I am a Gonzaga fan slightly as well. 
just because I've always rooted for them. Boise State or Northwestern Boise State seven ten matchup. Um, obviously, I, Boise State is my favorite upset pick easily. Um, it's going to be a very big time defensive battle. Um, Northwestern thirteenth, uh, Boise State fourteenth, respectively, in the Ken Palm defensive ratings. Both these teams are really good defensively. Ultimately, what it comes down to me is Boise State has five guys in the average in double digits. They they're able to spread the wealth around. You know, they have more than one or two guys like Northwestern does. You know, Northwestern only really has. Boo Booey, who he's he's a really good basketball player. I think you know it's cool for Northwestern. I think this is really like their second time being in the tournament. They're not a good basketball program, but it's really cool for them to be in the tournament. I just don't think that they have what it takes. I think Boise State's ability to spread the ball around their depth is really going to pay off. I think Boise State is going to upset them pretty easily and advance to the next round. UCLA, UNC Asheville. Uh, UCLA without Jaden Clark, that's going to be a huge hit for them coming down the stretch here in the tournament. Best player, one of the best players defensively in the country without him. With him, I usually probably win the national championship, in my opinion. But they still do have guys like Tiger Campbell and Hawkins, Hawkes. So I think they, they rolled in the first round. Second round, I think not having Jaden Clark is really going to show its difference. And I think Boise State actually upsets UCLA and moves on to the Sweet 16. To play TCU, where we have a TCU versus Boise State matchup. And I really, 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 really love TCU. I, they're another team that just keep finding the way to win in my brackets. I think TCU would advance on. To the Elite Eight to play Illinois. Sets up a TCU-Illinois matchup that I think actually Illinois wins because it's another proven criteria that I forgot to mention is there's always a seven seed or higher that seems to make their way to the Final Four. I think Illinois can really be that team this year. So that sets up our Final Four this year of Arizona, Kansas State, Houston, Illinois. Um, obviously, Arizona-Kansas State would be the first matchup we have to talk about there. Um, that one, I, I think Arizona wins. I um, Arizona, I really, really, no, no, I'm fucking lying. Kansas State wins. Kansas State's playing for a national championship. Why would I fucking say that? I think it's Kansas State. I don't think it's Arizona. Kansas State then would advance on to the national championship to either play Houston or Illinois. I got Houston winning that game. Sets up a Kansas State Houston national championship. And ultimately, I think Kansas State wins. Kansas State is my pick to win the national championship this year. That's just how I feel about it. That's just my pick. That's just my show today. I appreciate you watching. I'm putting this out. It's 6.30 Central Time right now. I'm going to edit it out and get it out here in just a few minutes so that people can listen to it. So hopefully you get it before your brackets. I know I probably should have recorded it earlier, but I didn't. That's just how my life is. It's a disaster. It's not. But I appreciate you listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Appreciate any love. Take my picks. They're probably all wrong, but I love it. But for now, Boy Titties is out.